All right, you cool cats and kittens. Welcome back to the Square Podcast, the Squarecast. Do you, do you think, Jim, like the um, the Tiger King thing is going to be like, because I, I think it's going to be like one of those cultural artifacts. It's already like dead in the water. Yeah, it's 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 it was only a couple months ago. But in 2020, in the in the 21st century, that means it was years ago, like decades ago. It's still going to be a very popular Halloween costume for those people who, who decide to have Halloween parties this year. Probably not too many in New York State, but in states where they don't care about COVID, like Wisconsin, uh, probably going to be a much more popular Halloween costume. I'm going to go on a limb and say, like, yeah, it'll be a popular Halloween costume this year. I think it's going to be, like, one that sticks around for a while. Like, I think it's going to be a cultural artifact that people are going to be dressing up as Joe Exotic or Carol Baskins like 10 years from now. It's just going to be one of the signifiers of the time. Yeah, it's well, it, it could be it, it'll be like a where are they now type of thing, um, bringing it back and bringing it because they they dominated pop culture for a couple of weeks. Like every ironic douchebag like you see now in, in some costume and you're like, oh. Oh, not now. I, I hope I hope you don't see anybody in costume now. But in years previous, where we weren't living in a pandemic, um, yeah, yeah. I, I hope that if you live in New York State and you're listening to us, um, or if you live anywhere and you're listening to us, as long as you're in the, the United States, because we're terrible at handling this pandemic, I hope you're not having an actual party um, or maybe a small gathering, five to seven people. That seems fine, but don't don't throw a big you know kegger. And not the gather, not not the juggalo style. All right, there's a time and a place for that, and it's not now. Right. Well, while that is enough face makeup to be a Halloween costume, uh, maybe that's not exactly what I'm looking at for. It's... Yes. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> who who even knows what the hell we're talking about today? Just kidding. Of course, we know what we're talking about today, folks. Today we're going to have a special focus on. Well, I guess our focus is on the square part of the square cast meaning uh niagara square meaning the big politics stuff the uh vegetables if you will but we'll actually make it fun um there's a lot of cool and interesting uh, as far as these things go races going on again we don't intend to be the politics podcast but sometimes the politics comes to us and we uh you know we'll, we'll talk about it we'll we'll give you a our election correspondent, uh, James, here will will fill you in on all the big races, what it means, who you should vote for, the the square cast seal of approval. Right. I mean, it's we're what eighteen days, seventeen days away from the election. You know, it's if we want to talk about things that are happening, things that are current. Um, well, the election's certainly current. It's certainly something that's happening. And it's happening, uh, it's not just the, the presidential election, although maybe that's what you just think of, but there's certainly congressional and state races, and there's even some local races that I want to highlight, or at least one local race that I think is interesting to talk about this year. Uh, yes, and when we say we're talking about politics, of course we mean um, the mayor of Tonawanda, our, our, our new political hero. Right. Big time my hero. I mean, uh, if there's anybody that uh, I could be like this week, it's probably, well, besides Bon Jovi, who we'll get to, uh, the mayor of Tonawanda is definitely the person I want to be this week.
Ryan, how's our audio sound? We good? Sounds good, boys. You know, listen, I want to say to all the haters and losers out there who who gave my sweet son, my beautiful boy, Ryan, any grief about the sound, he, he takes no blame. No, they, they were right to criticize me. It's, no. That was shit. No, the haters and loot. I could be calling you from a, a tin can and you'd be lucky to hear from the square cast. Okay. So you, you just leave our baby boy Ryan alone. He's doing great. You're doing great, sweetie. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, as we mentioned, uh, Jim and I and, and Ryan will be talking about um, local elections, local politics, national stuff. Uh, Corn mayor accused of corruption. Jim, I think you could be accused of corruption. And wear a mask for a new metal band. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, probably disturbed would be the mask I'd wear uh, more than corn. But you know, I mean, I support Jonathan Davis and all of his adventures. Are, are you down with the sickness? <laughs> I'm down with Rick Davis's sickness. Uh, Rick Davis being the mayor of the city of Tonawanda, who's in trouble for corruption allegations stemming the last 13 years, including stuff like commingling funds and buying a ticket for his then-girlfriend to fly to D.C. with him for a mayor's conference so he could surprise her with a, an engagement uh, an engagement proposal um, and <laughs> paid for bag fees and that stuff. It's like $600, which in the, you know, in the grand scheme of things, $600, if $400, $400 million is nothing, $600 is really not that big of a deal to the city of Tonawanda. But... You shouldn't be paying for your girlfriend's plane ticket to go down there. But I guess if you are going to be answering questions in this day and age, you should be wearing a corn mask. Oh, you should certainly be wearing a mask. And look, I mean, this is like the most alpha move possible, right? Like, clearly this guy is just, you know, dead to rights. Like, it's pretty clear that (laughs) they have him on all sorts of very petty, very minor, but corruption regardless, which is... I don't know. I don't want to say refreshing, but it's it's weird to see like a, an actual like public figure uh, get nailed to the wall somewhat for something like that, um, even for these minor stakes. And then he just comes out like wearing this mask, becomes this incredible meme uh, individual. So prop, props to you, uh, Mr. Davis, for a pretty gutsy play. Yeah, I mean, I really just hats off to you for. For, you know, saying, like, fuck it, I'm wearing a corn mask today. I, I, I'm i giving an interview. I'm wearing the corn mask. That's that's what I'm doing. It must have been casual day at the mayor's office. Um, his his more formal mask would be, like, his Morrissey mask. That, that's right. That, or, or even, like, um, what is, like, Limp Biscuit mask? <laughs> yeah, his Limp Biscuit $3 bill, y'all. Uh, the, the hot dog. <laughs> the hot dog water. Right. Chocolate starfish uh, <laughs> art on his face. <laughs> Now that that would have made the news a mm-hmm. uh, hundred years from now, people will remember that new metal era. Yeah. Something special. Yeah. By God, I hope so. Yeah. You think they're going to remember Carol Baskins? Yeah, yeah. they're going to they're going to remember uh, Limp Bizkit's, uh cover of uh, what was that? Uh, is it uh, Faith? Faith? Faith. Yeah, yeah Faith George by Michael. George Michael. Yeah. Uh, boy, what a, what a great cover that was. Yes. So hats off to the Tonawanda mayor. Uh, rats off. Rats off dude. to uh, John Bon Jovi. Yeah, we, last week we talked about the worst things of Buffalo. Who knew the entire area was the worst and could just be written off by itself? I think. Okay, here's my theory. John Bon Jovi listened to our podcast, but he has no sense of irony. Mm. He's not cool. 
He's not fun. We're just we're just joking, folks. We're just goofing and, and laughing and, and and having a good time. I'm serious about chefs. And and Jim is serious about chefs, but otherwise we're just goofing and kicking it here. And John Bon Jovi listens. He's like, wow, you know what? You're right. They suck. So I apologize if we did you know anybody a disservice here. If there's any suburban mothers who are going to be very upset, who were living on a prayer. Yes, if if they can't see John Bon Jovi in the future, I apologize to you in advance. Like forty five year old woman in Clarence who's ready to throw her underwear at the stage. It's, it's not forty five anymore though. Forty five is like twenty years too young for John Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi, remember? Yeah, bon Jovi was popular in like the eighties and, and early nineties. That's thirty years ago now, dude. I bet there's going to be if if John Bon Jovi came to Buffalo tomorrow, I bet there would be plenty of 45-year-old women. I'm saying, yeah, there'd be plenty of 45-year-old And 45-year-old men throwing their underwear at the stage, right, yeah. too. But, I would. You know what? I, I will, yeah. And I'll throw my underwear at you right now just to show you I'm serious. All right, I'll come down to Jersey. Yeah, I, I'll throw my underwear at anyone. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I am a Bon Jovi defender, as I've said before. I'll say it again. There are two kinds of people in this world, Bon Jovi fans and liars. I think I think we're living in a city of liars. Well, I mean, look, um, as we've never touched upon on this podcast, but not we, once. We probably should have. Uh, you know, a lot of the the Bon Jovi smear job was done by Mike Caputo, Buffalo's own um, health and human services staff member, who we hope is on the mend. Um, but uh, <laughs> he was the one behind the uh, the smear job, saying that Bon Jovi was going to. Move the team to Toronto, and I don't know, did I think on, on behalf of? Well, let me interject here. On behalf of Donald Trump, right. it was a whisper campaign as part of Trump's effort to purchase the Bills, where uh, Mike Caputo and his his agency um, put out all sorts of weird like Bon Jovi's going to move the team to Toronto type things, uh, which were never really substantiated, although. I wouldn't have been surprised if he tried to do it if he bought. Yeah. The oh no. I mean, if I bought the team, I'd move him to Toronto in a heartbeat. You know. In fact, let's move him to Toronto. Terry Pagula, friend of the pod, if you're listening, <laughs> please move the Bills to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Take take this nightmare, take this nightmare away from us. I can't deal with it anymore. Right. Just put a ferry in, and we can take a ferry from Rochester to Toronto. That bring that ferry back that they had they had for like a uh, three months. So John Bon Jovi not coming back, saying, uh, <clears throat> quote, I will never go back to Buffalo, New York. Um, apparently, these comments came during a pre-pandemic interview. Um, and yeah, no. Bon- oh, and I'm, I'm reading this article from my favorite news source, Pro Football Talk from ND- NBC Sports. So you know it's legit. Um, is, that, is that like the Babylon Bee? Well, yes, and I didn't know you looked at my favorites in in my web browser, but yes, it's much like the Babylon Bee. I mean, to be fair, like how petty is John Bon Jovi that just because people decided to hate on him because they thought he was going to move the team to Toronto, which it was unsubstantiated, and there was no reason to hate him, but how petty is he to be like, well, I'm going to show this second-rate city, fuck them, I'm never coming to Buffalo again. If you were him, would you? I wouldn't have come in the first place. <laughs> That's it. I am never going to show my face in Tacoma, Washington again. <laughs> right, yeah. Take that, Des Moines. I mean, come on. Like, like, he needs the Buffalo money. 
And he's got more money. He apparently has a billion dollars or close to it because he was going to buy a goddamn football team. He doesn't certainly, he certainly doesn't need the money for selling out Rich Stadium or whatever it's called now, Ralph Wilson Stadium. Is that what it's called? Oh, it's, it's called something. 12th Man Stadium. You know what it's not called? Hashtag Bill's Mafia. Let's get into that goddamn oh, story. Baby. Now we're getting into the good stuff. So, again, we mentioned friend of the pod, uh, Terry Pagula, who, in my estimation, boys, I think made a, a pretty big misstep this week. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a public relations nightmare waiting to happen. You know, He had just gotten some positive press with the ter- uh, uh, Taylor Hall signing for the Buffalo Sabres. Um, going out, getting the premier free agent of the NHL season. And again, we're not the sports podcast either. There are people who do this a lot better than us. But, you know, what else are we going to talk about in Buffalo besides Bon Jovi hating us? Um, but getting Taylor Hall got some positive goodwill towards him, I'm sure, because they're like, hey, the Sabres go and get the best free agent. And they signed him to a reasonable deal, too. It's not even like they overpaid for him. And two years ago, he was MVP. But... Boy, did the Pagulas really step in it this week. Well, and, and like, if you're the Pagulas, like, I understand that this world revolves around money and you want to make as much money as possible and you want to sell merchandise. But if you own a football team, if you have the financial wherewithal to own a sports franchise, let alone, like, an NFL franchise, okay? Like, you're... You're printing money at that point. There's no good reason whatsoever to even, like, you know, tweak your fan base in such a way. And what you have here with the Bills Mafia thing, which I have long thought is very obnoxious. Like, I just thought it's, it's, (laughs) I, I didn't get it. I didn't think it was organic. I think it started with Stevie Johnson, right? Like, he said something about hashtag Bills Mafia. I'm not sure how it started. I it's, Maybe that was also in the tweet where he was, you know, fighting with God. Right, yeah. I mean, God not being a Bills fan, but anybody who lived through the 90s could have told you that. Right. So, I mean, it started as something as weird and stupid and sometimes, like, frustrating and annoying um, as the hashtag Bills Mafia thing is to me personally. I, I recognize that it's, an, like, an organic fan movement. Um mm-hmm. Something in line with, to me, like a like a European soccer team um, kind of like fan base movement, a way that outside the strictures of like a corporatized uh, marketing campaign, like it was something that that the people in Buffalo, the Bills fans, found they they identified themselves to, they attached with. Um, there's charities, there's fundraising things for it. They, th- that group, uh, I know there's like a, a leader. I, I looked it up in the article. I think a gentleman by the name of Del Reed was the official leader of the hashtag Bill's Mafia group or whatever. He's the Don. Uh, he's the Don, yes. Done, done a lot of good for the community. Right. You got to break a few legs and, you know, yeah, got to get things to work around here, right? Um, Leave the football, take the cannoli. That's right. So the hashtag Bill's Mafia thing, it's... It's it's one of those things where if you're just some lazy marketing executive and you're like, what if we just copyright the Bills Mafia thing? And I don't know, man. I I, I get it on one level because like if you're Terry Pagula and you're like, well, that's my team. I own it. But truthfully, like you don't own like the organic fan base. You don't 
own like the the community feeling in the sense of you know pride and regionalism outside some kind of like top-down marketing campaign and i think that's what really kind of gets my goat so sorry to go off on this but i just think it sucks as much as i don't care for the bills mafia thing I mean, I, I think it sucks. It reminds me of the, the fight that's going on uh, trademark-wise over the phrase Buffalo, which is another phrase that, just like Bill's Mafia, I hate the Buffalo thing. I mean, I love Buffalo as much as the next person or more than some people, um, and I'm a, I'm a big proponent of the city, uh, especially the city proper. Um, but the, the whole Buffalo thing is, is overdone, and it's overwrought, and you know, it's... Too cutesy, too hashtag for me, but there is a big fight going over the uh, over the trademark for Buffalo now, and that's what I just see going on with Bill's Mafia, and it's you, you're you're right. It reminds me of English football. It's, you know, like you'll never walk alone. That type of like the fans came up with it, the fans carry it. Um, it it gets so large that the national media and the and the players and the ownership has to acknowledge it, but it should have been left in the hands of the fans. Yeah, and I mean, realistically, like, where does this lead to? Um, is this going to become something where, like, I don't know, the next thing you'll see at like the Bill store is merchandise of like like the little guy going through a table or something? Like, are, are they going to be selling flaming tables T shirts? through the bill store that's the appeal to it is that it's it's transgressive like it's counterculture in our weird messed up buffalo way which right it's are they gonna sell the finger banging kit at the bill store are they gonna sell like the dildo right the 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 tom brady dildo do they have that at the bill store and it just says number 12 on it i mean i get it like what are you gonna sell jerseys that say hashtag bills mafia on the back with a 12 probably yeah, and I mean, look, like, I, again, that, you know, that group, whatever that organization is, um, I know that they were also instrumental with, uh, like, the gentleman, Pancho Bila. You know, I, I know the Bills, as an organization, did something, but I also know that they were, like, very instrumental in organizing uh, things around that, too. So it just it's just so frustrating to see, like, a community based organic movement sort of co-opted by the, the you know this fucking monolith like megalith sports franchise like why do you have to monetize hashtag bills mafia can't it just be like a goofy thing that people like or hate but or or hate but tolerate and think right. is fine right yeah or yeah hate tolerate think it's fine you know like it, it's it's probably you know outside like of the good start to the year that the bills had up until that it was probably the most positive thing that the Buffalo Bills had going for them over the last decade was this hashtag Bills Mafia thing, at least in the national media, because it was this, this organic fan movement. I mean, it certainly wasn't diving through tables as much as fun as that used to be on Deadspin, and I'm sure we'll be on Defector soon. Yeah, it's and it's one of those things, too. Like, again, we're not the sports podcast. You know, I don't know. The Bills looked terrible last week. I also know they had a bunch of injuries, but God forbid the Bills take a turn for the worse this year. Like, God forbid they have this hot start. People were talking about Josh Allen for, you know, MVP of the NFL. And then they just take a giant dump. Like I I could see, listen, I've lived through enough bills football in my life where I've seen such things happen. I'm sure you guys have as well. Um, 
but God forbid they, they just turn out to be really bad all of a sudden, or like at least not as good as we put the pedestal we put them up on. And I I could easily see like, you can only tweak the fan base. You can only make people mad about stuff so often like the Bakulas have before like, I don't know. What do we do? I guess we're not going to quit sports, but I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, they, they've gone. It seems like they've gone out of their way to alienate the Sabres fan base by raising ticket prices when the team's been terrible. And and then gutting the scouting department and firing everybody. And, you know, I mean, Kevin Adams, who knows how he's going to do as GM. He seems to be doing fine so far. But, you know, it, it was clear that it was cost-saving measures, and that's why they got rid of Botterill is because he wouldn't fire everybody else. And, you know, if they alienate the Sabres fans and they alienate the Bills fans, well, I guess they just have Bandits fans left before they, they're really done with everything. Right, because the Bandits fans, by the way, shout out to them because they are like the most loyal, hardcore fans really in this city. Like the people who like the Buffalo Bandits, like they love the Buffalo Bandits. Yeah, There's ha- Hashtag Bandits Mafia. Yeah. All right. I'm behind that. Um. But yeah, that's that's all I have to say. That's the official position of the Square Podcast, uh, the Squarecast on uh, hashtag Bills Mafia. We'd love to hear some feedback on this one because I know there's a lot of feelings in the community about it as well. So please reach out to us. We're just some dudes, but we're some dudes who like to talk to people, at, talk to each other. So at Square Pod Buff, at Square Pod Buff. Um, moving on. So now we're on to the world of politics again. We just can't escape it. We are in the midst of perhaps the craziest political season of our lifetimes. And certainly politics these days leaves very little room for levity other than the mayor of Tonawanda and his corn mask. However, um, we have just an absolute cracker of a video, I would say. Um, just truly incredible stuff of former former state senator, current uh, judge, current state Supreme Court judge, yeah. yes, Mark Rosanti, who, by the way, I would love to talk more in depth about his history in Western New York and some of the things that he's done here. Um, a very key figure in in a lot of different things, but unfortunately for Judge Rosanti, found himself on the wrong end of the law, Jim. Would you say? Shall Shall I play a clip? Yeah, let's hear a clip of uh, what exactly what went down with Judge Rosanti uh, this summer. Ron Maria, he was dragging Maria across the street and actually was taking her down on my front lawn. And I basically said, listen, just like talk to her. And I pushed him and I said, don't friggin' tackle her. And I pushed him. I apologized to him, Mark, right after that because I said, listen, I respect you guys in law enforcement. You know, you know, I go, my daughter's a police officer, my son-in-law's a police officer, all my family's police officers. I never mentioned Byron Brown's name. What we said was is that the guy across the street parks the vehicle which is a byron brown owned vehicle like like he blocks driveways and they did it with all four cars tonight so yes i was wrong by uh uh telling the police officer i pushed him and said listen don't tackle her like that so okay we got that clip here which is absolutely fantastic but jim can you give us a little context about what we just heard so that's that is uh state supreme court judge Mark Rosanti talking to, I believe, his cousin, who's a detective with the police, uh, while he was sitting in the back of a squad car uh, next to his wife, 
who was also handcuffed in the back of a squad car because they got into a uh, a sort of domestic dispute. Um, as he mentions, uh, his neighbors blocking the driveway was, uh, according to the investigative post and Jeff Kelly, the genesis of this dispute this particular time, although uh, um, this family and the Crisantes have a history of not getting along with each other. Uh, but as you hear him say, he pushed, he pushed a couple of times. He's talking about how he was able to get away with pushing a Buffalo police officer and not immediately getting arrested or shot, which is amazing. Yes, that's an incredible feat. And especially so when, I, I don't know if you mentioned here, but yes, in fact, Judge Grisanti was quite shirtless. Um, oh, and- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, he looked like he was walking down Seneca Street in the middle of summer. And, and by the way, peak Buffalo accent. Oh, that's a perfect, but yes, yes. Uh, Judge Grisanti, I, I keep, I want to keep saying Senator Grisanti, even though I know <laughs> that he's not anymore, but um, yes, perfect Buffalo accent. And look, folks, like, I don't care where you fall on the political spectrum. You know, I, I, I understand that, you know, powerful people in this country sort of have their way and get away with stuff that, you know, normal people might not get away with. And especially, you know, we talk about matters of privilege and you know, here's a white guy pushing a cop and doesn't end up dead or in jail. Well, I guess he ends up in, in jail, but he could have had much worse things happen to him. Like many people in this country. Um, I, I don't think he ended up in jail. I think, I think he got put in cuffs and put in the back of the car, but I don't think he ended up in jail. Okay. I think, I think they let him go um, after that, after he talked to his cousin and, I th- um, but I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he ended up in jail. Uh, I don't think he did. I think he got let go. I think if he had ended up in jail, I think we would have heard about this a lot sooner. Okay. Um, we heard of this because um, I think it's law360.com, but don't quote me on that. Uh, got a hold of the the body cam footage, and they're like, whoa, <laughs> isn't this interesting? State Supreme Court Justice. Yes, which which he was not elected to. We elect judges in this in this uh, state, but after his vote on gay marriage, um, supporting gay marriage, um, which was uh, uh, I don't want to say courageous because it didn't take courage, but it was as a Republican state senator and holding basically the last vote needed to say yes to legalize gay marriage in New York State. um, It took something uh, uh, from him to do so in a district that was heavily Democratic. Um, but he was rewarded with a, a, a state appeals court justice position and then was appointed to uh, a state Supreme Court justice position. So he's been a judge now for, I think, four years or so, uh, maybe six years or so, and he's never been elected to a judge. He's just been appointed to these positions. Sure, and, and that's very informative. Um, and I just want to you know, say all political and sort of larger social ramifications aside here. Um, I think judge Grisanti should be hailed as a hero for going shirtless and yelling at his neighbors. Um, you know, truly that's a, that's a time honored American tradition. Um, I mean, we were just talking about Italian festival last weekend. uh, You know, I mean, like here it is. Like we, we live in a country right now where all of the anger and there's, there's so much tension and, you know, sometimes you just got to go and yell at your neighbors. Right, and, and, and with COVID going on, and this was in the middle of the summer, and you know, he's, he's out there, he's out there making it known that, you know, mask or no mask, shirt or no shirt, he is not going to let them park in front of his driveway. 
Right. And, and shout out to him, by the way, like this could have very well ended up like a Rand Paul situation where his neighbor kicked his ass. But, you know, I'm not saying that Judge Grisanti has like the best physique in the world, but I'm also not going to be the one to try it with him. Right. Yeah. No, I, I thought the same thing. I, I looked at I looked at Grisanti and I thought, you know, I probably wouldn't fuck with the guy. I probably leave him alone. I, I wish we had like more footage about the events leading to him uh, taking off his shirt and like getting to this point. I, I, I believe if I remember correctly in the article that Jeff Kelly wrote, um, friend of the pod uh, that Jeff wrote was that his shirt was torn while struggling with the neighbor. Oh, so the neighbor did try it. Oh yeah. So the neighbor did, did, did try it. And it, there's actually, if you watch the, if you go on YouTube, I think it's on YouTube, right? If you go on YouTube yeah. and watch the entire thing, yeah. um, Grisanti talks oh, about how oh, almost two hours of it. <laughs> the neighbor uh, complains about like how Grisanti hurt his shoulder and and he's got some sort of injury now, and you know, and the judge said I didn't do anything to him. That's nonsense. But obviously there was some physical altercation, and that's and that's where Grisanti's shirt gets torn. He didn't he didn't take it off the Hulkster version. He was not a real American. And he didn't just rip it off. He. Uh, it got torn off of him as far as my understanding is. And again, if you're that neighbor, like that's pretty gutsy considering like one, obviously there's a longstanding beef with you, um, you know, and, and him here. So maybe at this point, you're not afraid of him. You're like, Hey, I'm just going to take him on and throw hands, but flashback to what? Maybe 10, was it 10 years ago now where he, uh, there was an incident in the casino 2012. It was eight years ago. Uh, yeah, there was a, incident at the Seneca Niagara Casino in Niagara Falls where uh, Grisanti and his wife apparently got into some sort of fight, um, some some sort of uh, Donnie Brook. And uh, now the judge, at that time state senator, said he was just breaking up the fight. But according, uh, according to people who have seen the security videos, he was definitely throwing hands. And, <laughs> and his wife was at the middle of the, of the fight again. You know, personally, again, like, no matter where you fall on the political spectrum, I, I I yearn for a time. Like, this feels like a throwback to a much simpler and better time where our, like, uh, representatives would just beat the shit out of people. Like, they'd fight. Like, there would be, they, you know, like, I'm thinking about what the classic story on the Senate floor where, like, somebody beat somebody with a cane. Yeah, And uh, no, going back to that type of time and, and thinking about it, like you know, fighting somebody with a cane or beating somebody up, it's or like the stories you hear about, like the Japanese diet, right? The Japanese legislature, the diet, um, where almost everything in the Japanese legislature, uh, the national legislature, passes unanimously, but they will literally fight each other while they're negotiating out the laws and, and they're fighting out the legislature legislation out there, um, and. Yeah, that's what we got. Like we've got shirtless Judge Grisanti in North Buffalo fighting a neighbor, pushing a cop. Uh, I mean, it's it's just remarkable. It's I I I wish I wish that this had happened like a week after he voted for the gay marriage, so that this would have been on the Daily Show too. Oh my God! It, yes, this would have been honestly the yeah the biggest thing of the week of like October twelfth, two thousand eight. Um, uh, you know, other than Obama's election, but yeah. um, no, it was 
it's it's pretty hilarious. So shout out to Judge Grisanti um, for for kicking ass and <laughs> unfortunately taking a a little bit of a short ride in the back of a cop car, but he seems to be okay. Again, I don't know what the fight about. He could be very much in the wrong. Yeah, uh, well, but I support him. We'll, we'll see if he's very much in the. That's other. our official position of the Square Podcast. Yeah, oh yeah, friend we, of the pod, Judge Grisanti. Friend of the pod, Judge Grisanti. We support him one hundred percent. Hopefully, he's not removed as a judge. Yes. So, moving on to bigger and meatier political news, Jim. Um, I, I'm told again. I'm off social media for my mental health as much as everybody else is, and I'm told that there's elections happening. Is that right? Uh, it's my understanding that there are elections happening in 18 days or so. Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, people are are voting for uh, Alden Town Justice, Lancaster Councilman, uh, but they're also voting for state offices, uh, congressional offices. Uh, state Supreme Court, and I guess this office, which I, it's the first I've ever heard of it, President of the United States. Is that right? Yeah. Are they pres- voting for that this year? They're voting for President of the United States this year, yeah. Um, and you know, you've got Joseph R. Biden versus Donald J. Trump, as far as I'm concerned. Hold yeah. on, let me read those names. Joseph R. Biden. Biden. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay, cool. So, um, you know, I know all about the politics stuff for, for sure, you don't have to explain anything to me about uh, <clears throat> Concord Town Superintendent of Highways. Well, well, there's one election where the stakes are, are kind of high. The, right? the, there is one election yeah. where the stakes are is really it, high. Is it, the, is it the Newstead Town Justice race? <laughs> it's close to that. Yeah. It's, uh, but it's, it, I mean, I think Newstead's part of the district, but it's the 27th district for uh, U.S. Congress in New York. Is that our boy? Is that our beautiful boy, Nate? It is our beautiful boy, Nate who is running against uh, the incumbent, Chris Jacobs, who's been the incumbent for all of like three months. And there is a libertarian, Dwayne Whitmer, in the in the race. Uh, I'm encouraging, well, I'm, I'm encouraging everybody to vote for Nate McMurray because not that I want Nate to win, although I've changed my view on Nate since last week. I've, I've done a total 180, and Nate's now one of my favorite politicians in West New York. And we'll get to the re- why in like 10 seconds. Um, but... I just want to see Jacobs lose is actually the, the main point. And Dwayne Whitmer is not going to win. But if you can't vote for Nate McMurray, vote for Dwayne Whitmer. Yeah, if you have any inclination to vote for Chris Jacobs at all, I mean, you're a giant shithead, and you probably shouldn't be listening to our, our podcast. But if somehow this fell into your lap and you clicked on something and you got to hear, and, and previously you're like, I don't know, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. Usually I vote Republican conservative, but I'm not feeling Chris Jacobs necessarily. All right, vote for Dwayne Whitmer. Or don't show up. Go home. Stay home. Right, yeah. Or yeah. don't fill out that. There's no election this year. Yeah, they canceled the elections for you, dude. Okay. Um, but, uh, yes. No. But the, let's talk about the stakes that are, are at. Because, like, yeah, sure, there there is a six-figure job in Congress and being a member of Congress, and those are the minor stakes this year in the election. What's the major stakes going on here? Okay. So if, if any of you follow Nate McMurray on social media, and again, I'm off the sauce on that, but I do have a wonderful network of people who will just keep me informed. Um, you know, will send me things, will keep me up to date. Uh, I've cultivated, I've cultivated this at this point. So I, I was sent a tweet, um, from, uh, prospective Congressman McMurray, um, <clears throat> here it is. I told my young campaign staff to keep working hard, finish strong. And I promised if we win, 
getting a tattoo. I never wanted a tattoo, but it seems to have motivated them. Let's make it happen. Quote, I heart NY27, end quote, right across my chest. All in, like we always have been, flex emoji. What a G. What an absolute legend, man. This dude is committed to the bit. Like, love of the game. The poster's poster himself, Nate McMurray. And God love him. I think he actually would get that that goddamn tattoo if he won. Can we give him a round of applause? That's, I mean, he deserves at least a round of applause uh, for uh, for his guarantee to get a tattoo. Now, I wonder if he's going to get a tattoo somewhere in the district or if he's going to get a tattoo shop maybe in the city that knows what they're doing a little bit better. Dude, I hope he goes out to like, I, I hope he ends up like, uh, where, where's that sign on, on 16 that has like the, the God bless America, America uh, bless God, America bless God in, sign in, in, in Ishua. It's, you know, that's Tom Reed's district. And, you know, we, we talked about, about how, how much we love Tom Reed last week. When we, uh, again, if you live in Tom Reed's district, vote for Tracy Metrano. Right. Or stay home. They canceled the election. If, right, you're, yeah, if you're going to vote for Tom Reed. Right. If you think you're voting for Tom Reed, uh, bad news. Elections canceled this year. All, the, all that stuff that says vote. They're, they're talking to other people. Right. Uh, and if you're going to vote for Tracy Metrano, uh, go ahead. The election's on for you. Um, and you probably should donate to her because she's going to have a tough race. We give you our permission, our blessing, the square, square podcast blessing for Tracy. Right. Yeah. Not quite an endorsement because I don't know how far that goes, but we actually more than an endorse, a blessing. Uh, yeah. Like the square podcast blessing. Like, go ahead and do we're, it. We're wasting holy water on Tracy Matrano. This is this is the real deal, folks. Um, but no, Nate, please get that tattoo. And I'll tell you what, man, get it if you lose. Yeah. I heart, especially if you lose. I heart New York twenty seven. Uh, is because it, it, look, once the census comes out and we lose a couple of seats, New York 27 might not exist anymore. And it'll just be an artifact of time. Yes. So, okay. All right. We got Nate on the brain here. Um, as, <laughs> as always, but more so than ever. Um, let's be real. How are we feeling about this race, Jim? What, what's the honest square cast take on this? I mean, the, the issue with, with this race is that while, while Nate's run, a couple of times now, and he's probably got more momentum than a Democrat deserves to have in that district. It is the most Republican congressional district in all of New York state. It's one of the most Republican congressional districts in the country. So if he can make it close, that's basically a win. I think he can make it close. I don't think he can win, but I think he can make it 52, 48, which is way closer than he deserves to be and way closer than he's got any right to be, especially against somebody like Chris Jacobs, who's got more money than God and can spend his way through everything. And right, but right now, as it stands, as of uh, today's paper and as of the last financial filing, uh, Nate had more money on hand than Chris Jacobs. And he's planning on doing a blitz of TV ads. So if you live in the Buffalo media market and you're watching television, you're going to see a lot of Nate McMurray ads over the last couple of weeks as he blitzes and, and tries to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars on his campaign. Yeah, and I mean, like, this isn't, this like, yes, okay, Nate has run a couple times now, sometimes to, like, comical effect. Um, but credit to him, there was an, a special election earlier this year for that seat. Um 
which you know in those in those things turnout is generally quite low um and you'd consider too like in an election like that that you know there's not going to be as much of a turnout for a democratic candidate especially because we have you know, we have the election this fall. Um, the presidential election is certainly going to be a, a big coattails effect. Well, and, and at the time of the special election, it was actually the special election happened the same day as the Republican primary. That's right. So there was a, um, now he because of COVID, actually, Nate McMurray got hampered in the special election because the special election was supposed to happen the same day as a presidential primary in New York, which had the presidential primary in New York happened. Not everybody had dropped out at that point. So you would have had a competitive April uh, presidential primary. So you would have had Elizabeth Warren still on the ballot. You would have had Bernie Sanders still on the ballot. You would have had Joe Biden still on the ballot. And you would have had Democrats coming out to vote for their presidential candidate at the same time the special election was going on, which theoretically would have increased Nate McMurray's chances. Because of COVID, that got pushed back and it got kicked back to regular primary day, which is when the presidential primary ended up happening anyways. By now, by the time the presidential primary happens in June... Uh, it's over. Joe Biden is a candidate. And you've got the regular Republican primary between Beth Parlato, Chris Jacobs, and our boy, Stefan Mihailu, uh, for the congressional district. And you had you had the special election uh, vote at the same time. I, I, think, I think Nate's got as good a chance as a Democrat's going to have in that district since Kathy Hochul represented it. Um. But I don't think he's got a, a good chance of winning. Dude, you say that, and I think that's true. But for the listeners at home, in case you're not, <laughs> if you don't have like a photographic memory of the results of a special election from June of this year, uh, just a quick reminder that Chris Jacobs won that election with 51.8% of the vote, which turned out to be 81,000, almost 82,000 votes, to Nate McMurray's 46.6% share of the vote which was 72,000, almost 73,000 votes. So we're talking about a low turnout, already pretty pretty heavily geared election for the Republicans anyway. And my God, like he had a fighting chance in that one. No, I, he's got a fighting chance. I mean, I think he's got a better chance than than the, the current president has re-election. Uh, current president, according to 538, your boy Nate Silver. Uh, not friend of the pod. Not friend of the pod, but your boy. <laughs> Nate Silver, every time he comes up, he's getting that slide whistle. Uh, but according to 538, they're giving the president 13% chance of winning the uh, election. Um, the general election. The 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 general, uh, the popular vote. 13% chance of winning that. Um, which isn't very good. Although it, it's better than, you know, as uh, Nate Cohn pointed out, I believe it was Nate Cohn on Twitter, if your pilot said, well, we only have a 13% chance of crashing. You probably wouldn't get on the plane. So, I mean, if I was in a hurry. <laughs> right, right. Where am I going? Where are we fly? Are we flying over water? I could survive. I can I can hop on one of these I bombers. I swim. Right, yeah. I'll figure it out. Uh I w- I would give Nate a better than 13% chance of winning, but I mean, I, I think he's got maybe like a 25 to 30% chance of winning and 70% of the time he loses. I just see, like, I see the results of that special election. I think about Chris Jacobs as a, like, as an elected official, a candidate, um, you know, obviously a scion of one of Buffalo's biggest families here, but somebody that, like, people don't love or hate. 
Like, he's the Mitt Romney of Western New York. Well, especially in that district, because he had to move to that district to run for the congressional seat. You remember, he was living in the city of Buffalo. He, this is a guy who used to be you know, a uh, school board member. That was his first elected office. He used that to leap to county clerk, and he used that then to leap to uh, state uh, senate. And then from state senate, now he's leaping, he leaps to Congress. Um, but he, the entire time, he was living in the city of Buffalo. He had to use his Orchard Park, uh, Orchard Park, Orchard Park, Orchard Park address um, because, of course, he's got enough money that he owns multiple homes. Um, he had to use his Orchard Park address to run for Congress, uh, which Beth Parlato tried to use against him, saying that he didn't live in the district. Um, he, the guy's got multiple houses. Who knows where he lives? Right. I like, honestly, like Chris Jacobs is about, you know, 30, 40 years too late for what he's really doing here. Like he, he wants to be this Rockefeller Republican. Um, at least at one point in his career, he kind of presented himself that way. Right. But now he's endorsed Trump and he's embraced Trump and he got the endorsement from Trump in the special election. Right. But those look, the red blood people, they can sniff out a, a faker. Like they can, it, it's we've seen it time and time again. We've seen, um, you know, Republicans primaried um, for not being conservative enough throughout the country, and I just have a feeling that there's no great love for Chris Jacobs in that district. Like as you said, he's an outsider. Um, I could see a world where, like, yes, all the signs that you might see traveling down to the southern tier, um, all the Trump signs, you know. It made all the all the, the the car parades and things you might see if you live in that area um, might give the impression that there's going to be like this huge Trump turnout. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case, and I don't think that's going to be the case in that district even. Um, I think, again, I think Jacob's going to win, but man, I give I give it like a 40-60 like in, in Jacob's favor, but... I give forty percent that Nate could win this this race. I think if things break right for him, it really could happen. I mean, it, it would be a monumental upset. It would actually be the biggest upset since Grisanti won that Senate race. Going back to Grisanti, Grisanti upset Antoine Thompson at the time. It was literally the safest Senate seat, New York State Senate seat, in all of New York State for, as far as enrollment went. I think it was like eighty three to seventeen, and Grisanti, as a former Democrat running on the Republican line one over Anton Thompson. Now, Anton Thompson had a whole host of issues that we're not going to get into, um, but it would be that kind of upset if McMurray wins. And I hope he does because I've got a couple of tattoo studios in mind that I want to send him to. Yes. And Nate, if you're listening, again, this is an open invitation, whether before the election, after the election, win, lose, draw, like you are always welcome to be part of the uh, the Square Podcast and the Square Podcast family. If you want to join our podcast, you're welcome to just be a member. If he wins and comes on the pod, I will get a tattoo of his face on me somewhere. We're holding you to that. Yeah, yeah. we're we're doing that. So yes, vote for vote for Nate McMurray is is our official blessing. Again. Yeah, vote vote for Nate McMurray is is the Square stance. Now, uh, as far as Congress goes in Erie County, there's also the 26th district. That is the incumbent Brian Higgins. Versus Ricky Donovan. Now, it, this to say that this is a mismatch, at least as far as money goes, is kind of a an understatement. I, I mean, it's it's kind of like you know, yesterday uh, 
we're recording this on Sunday, not on Thursday. Uh, but it's always Thursday in our hearts. It's, it's, it's always Thursday in my heart. Yeah. It's always the Cosby Show. Uh, <laughs> it's not. It's not that. <laughs> it's not that. I'm gonna go with science. Cut that and post. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, <laughs> this is the biggest mismatch as Clemson versus Georgia Tech was yesterday, where it was 73 to seven. Higgins has like 1.1 million dollars in the bank, and Ricky Donovan didn't even file for the FEC. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Give him the slide whistle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hold, on, hold on, hold on. Oh, yeah, the sad, trambo- sad, sad trombone. Sad trombone for Ricky Donovan, uh-huh. who, uh, I mean, the, the thing about Ricky Donovan is that with no money, no campaign, no effort, he's going to get, like, 34% of the vote, which, as far as I, that tells you, is, like, that is the floor for what a Republican can get in that vote. Like... If you put no effort in, you're going to get 34% of the vote. And, and that's what he's going to get. He's going to get about 33, 34% of the vote. And Higgins is going to get 66% of the vote. And it's going to look like an absolute ass kicking. And it's because there's no race whatsoever. So, Jim, um, if you could explain uh, to both me and the good listeners, and of course our beautiful boy Ryan, why the Republicans, you know, like clearly. Clearly, Brian Higgins has been a long entrenched congressman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's done done plenty of good for the area. You know, people generally have good feelings for him. Um, why would they like other than just having a an open and free election and, and putting somebody on the ballot? Maybe you can go a little bit briefly in depth. Like, why would they keep putting up Palookas against somebody who's going to just annihilate this guy? Like, what is the goal for the Republicans? Putting somebody, and what's the goal for this guy running in this race? Like, what does he get out of this? I mean, it, his ass kicked. What he gets out of it is is well. I mean, Ricky Donovan runs for office all the time, and he gets his ass kicked. He consistently is running for positions that where he's got no no chance in in particular. Um, but often they're party loyalists. They already have a job, or they're looking for a job from the party somewhere in the county government, somewhere in the state government, and. You know, the county is just looking for a sacrificial lamb. Nobody who's going to spend any effort, spend any time, spend any money that they're going to support is going to run in this race. Higgins is going to win. He's got a million dollars, and the enrollment advantage is like 58 to 42, or, you know, or 58 to like 35, with, you know, like 4% being registered in other parties. I mean, um, it's just not a winnable race. It's not a race that they're going to invest money into. And we're going to get into a couple of other races like that down the line. Um, today, uh, we're going to skip over most races because most races are actually like that. The, the way the way the state's gerrymandered, most of your Senate races, most of your Assembly races are just non-starters. Yeah, and I mean, that's just a little bit of a peek behind the curtain about how, like, the sausage gets made. Um Again, I think it's important to note that because this year, especially um, where we're all sort of inundated with the vote message and, you know, and, and, and rightfully so, of course, but we're, we're getting all this messaging like vote, you know, go out and vote. Your vote matters. Your vote counts. And so you might have a lot of, you know, maybe young people or people who are not normally politically inclined, but maybe um, you know, with everything that's happened in the world, um, feel it's their 
their obligation, their duty to, you know, really sort of become knowledgeable about, you know, the political process and, and local politics and that their vote does matter and they want to be informed um, might hit this brick wall where you come to a point and you're like, well, who the hell am I voting for and why? Like, what is, what is the point? And I think that the takeaway from this is like a lot of these things intro, like these party machinations are really like tactical things. Like why is, you know, Ricky Bobby, what was his name? Ricky, Ray Donovan. Ricky Donovan. Yeah, Ray Donovan. Ray, Ray Donovan. Showtime's Ray Donovan. Like why is he running into the buzzsaw against Brian Higgins? Well, because it'll get him a job somewhere down the line or, you know, he has a job and, and he's doing somebody a favor. Um, like he, you know, nobody's going out and, and shaking hands and kissing babies right now, but in a normal election, you know, he would do the circuit of stuff and probably just stand around looking real disinterested doing it, but still do it because he has to. And this is something that, you know, happens in plenty of districts, like you mentioned, Jim, and, and plenty of different elections throughout the years. So I guess I don't want to like, dissuade anybody that their vote doesn't matter or something like that. I, I don't think that's true, but I think it's worth understanding that like a lot of these things have already been well decided before, you know, you got to this. Right. I mean, if anything, it's, uh, it's an indictment of the primary process. Um, were we a state like California that doesn't have primaries or has a, a has a different style of primary where the primary is it's open and it's just the top two get it. So you might have two people of the same party running in the general election um, in California fighting against each other. Well, then you're going to have a competitive race. Um, you know, and, and you might, or there are, you know, there are some states that have no primary system whatsoever and everybody who wants to run runs at the same time in the general election. And, you know, Louisiana, I believe, is one of those, and they have runoffs after that if nobody gets 50% of the vote. But you could just do first past the post, and whoever has the highest vote total gets in. Um, and that would be more democratic than the system that we have here where the primary system eliminates a lot of choice and picks the winner ahead of time. Yeah, agreed. So um, Square Podcast, blessing. If, if you want to vote for Brian Higgins, you can. If you don't. You don't have to. If you're his tailor, you probably want to because he's always fixing his pants. He, it's true. He's very dapper. Um, so, you know, vote for Brian if you want. If if you want to vote for Ricky Donovan, I don't know, I guess, man. I, you're, yeah. you're his family member or something. Right. Like, if you just, if you're like, I mean, I just love Donovan's. Um, I want to touch on the state Supreme Court race real quick. Oh, yeah. Okay. So what's the next big one, Jim? Well, the state Supreme Court race is, is it's the 8th district, and that is uh, the eight counties of West New York. Um, this seems like that's a lot of counties. It is a lot of counties. Um, it's three, I mean, the state Supreme court is the second highest court in the state. Um, it's a big deal. It's it, it, the eighth district. While even though it's eight counties is dominated by Erie County. Um, almost always the judges come from Erie County. Uh, in this particular year, we don't have a unanimous decision. Often, Often when there's two state Supreme Court justices up at the same time, there'll be one Republican and one Democrat, and they'll get cross-endorsed. This year, there's only one up. It's Amy Martocci is running for re-election. I think she's running for re-election. Um, and she's running against Gerald Sullivan, Jerry Sullivan, or, or not Sullivan, Greenan, Jerry Greenan, 
Um, She's running against Jer- Buffalo News' <laughs> own Jerry Sullivan. Jerry Sullivan. <laughs> Call him as he sees him. No, she's running against Jerry Greenan, um, who I believe is brother of former county legislator John Greenan, former uh, commissioner of personnel and current undersheriff John Greenan. Um, Jerry Greenan notably was rated this year not qualified by the Bar Association while he's running for judge. So we're going to support Amy Martocci in her race. Yeah, and and folks, like, I want to stress with these court races, in fact, like, this might actually be the most consequential race on the ballot. Um, as you can see at the, the national level with the Supreme Court, um, a lot of consternation, a lot of fear revolves around uh, the Republicans, Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump, replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and the impact that will have long term on the court, um, how that might threaten, you know, just basic civil liberties for for people in this country, um, and, and this is where it starts. Like these state courts, this is where a lot of those rulings, like they go to and then get bubbled up to the the Supreme Court. So these are. And it's a 14-year term. Like, I want to stress, this is like, you know, 14 years is a crazy long time for any kind of term. And that means whoever wins this election is going to be on the bench for over a decade, you know, decade plus of making consequential rulings that can go to the Supreme Court. They don't go to the Supreme Court. They still affect your life, your livelihood. Um it's the second highest court in the state. Uh, in the state of New York, which is already like a huge state. Right. You're talking about one of the, the leading states. You know, uh, Jurisprudence in the state of New York will often be the formation of case law in other states. We're talking about the second highest court in New York State, and it happens to be that we're supporting Amy Martocci um, because she was rated as well-qualified, and you've got Gerald Greenan, who's rated as totally unqualified to be a judge. Um, uh, it, it's, it's, it's really pretty easy to call there. All right, so let's jump into the state Senate races right now real quick. Um, there's only one of any kind of interest. Uh, other than that, they're all pretty boring. Um, you've got the 59th District, where you've got... Uh, the incumbent Pat Gallivan, former sta- uh, county sheriff, former state trooper, against Jason Klimek. Klimek? I'm not sure how to say that. I live in that district. I haven't seen anything about this guy, the Democrat running against uh, Gallivan. Is he getting killed? Uh, I mean, it's it's an incredibly safe Republican district. He's going to get absolutely annihilated. It's, it's kind of like the Ricky Donovan uh, versus Brian Higgins type of thing, where... You know, Gallivan's got hundreds of thousands of dollars in his campaign account, and he's got like a 70-30 enrollment advantage. From from the rest of my life, I will just remember the race that Brian Higgins ran against Ray Donovan. Like that will just be <laughs> that'll just be what it was. <laughs> All the other Showtime shows got canceled, but Ray Donovan, unfortunately, also got canceled against Brian Higgins. Yeah, so in, in the 59th district, vote for whoever you want. It doesn't matter. Pat Gallivan's gonna win. So vote for Pat Gallivan, vote for Jason Klimek. It doesn't oh, is, is is Galvin on three different lines? I see he, here. Galvin's on three lines. He's on the RC and the I line, the Republican, Conservative, and Independence line. That's a lot of lines. It is a lot of lines. Dude. But he's on those lines always. Uh, the next race, the 60th district, is Sean Ryan winning versus Joshua Mertzluft. 
Uh, Sean Ryan's going to win that district running away. Uh, again, uh, Sean's a good guy. I like Sean. Uh, um, he's a friendly acquaintance of mine. I get along with Sean very well. Um, so I would endorse Sean in that district, even though I know nothing about Joshua March left. He gets he gets the uh, the square cast blessing. And then you've got the 61st district, which is the only really interesting race where you've got Jackie Berger versus Ed Rath. Uh, this is to replace Mike Ranshofer in the Senate. Uh, Rands was there for 10 years, 12 years, something like that. Uh, banked a ton of money. Um, finally retired. Famous for his yogurt rant. Famous for his yogurt rant that made the Daily Show. Uh, <laughs> the, the pretzel would be the means of conveyance. Um, I hope we can maybe... maybe Afterwards, you can find a clip from that, and you can just kind of like sub that in into yeah, the middle of the I'll show. See, I'll see what I get. This bill would designate yogurt as the official state snack of the state of New York. Did you consider, uh, say, the potato chip as the as a potential state snack? No. Did the sponsor consider raisins as a potential official state snack? No. Did uh, did the sponsor consider perhaps pretzels as the potential state? Official state snack. Never. Yogurt would be the state snack. The pretzel would not. The pretzel, if so dipped, would be the state snack conveyance or delivery method, for which designation I refer to the Subcommittee on Snack Transportation. Uh, He's running against... Uh, or Jackie Berg's running against Ed Rath III. Like, do they just... Do they just keep like cranking out like uh, new Ed Rath models? Yeah, there's new models of Ed Rath every uh, every ten fifteen years, every generation. Uh, D- does this one have like? Does this one can it can it read your heart rate like this model Ed Rath? It can read your ox- your blood oxygen level. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, no Ed Rath, former county legislator, do nothing county legislator. He'll be a do nothing senator. I don't know much about Jackie Berger. Um, I get emails from her like three times a week um, because I'm a member of the Erie County Democratic Committee. And uh, full disclosure, I, I exist. Full disclosure. <laughs> full, full disclosure. Actually, I'm not a member of the committee right now. So lying, but uh, uh, was a member of the committee in the past, potentially could be a member in the future. I get emails from Jackie Berger about three times a week asking for her help. Uh, it seems like they're putting some resources into that race. I don't see how it's winnable. Rath has, I think, four lines. Uh, she's got one. And, yeah, I just don't see how it's winnable. Okay, so if you plan on voting for Ed Rath, if you're listening, he's already won. Stay home. Stay home. It's okay. He's won. You know what? Forget it. You've got better things to do that. It's a Tuesday. It's hard to get to the polls. It's cold. It's rainy. If you're going to vote for Ed Rath, like, don't bother. However, request denied. That's right. Request denied. But if, you know, you're like Jackie Berger, that's my candidate. Well, the election's back on. They, they, they turned it on. They said yes, but only if you're voting for Jackie Berger right. are you allowed and to show up at the polls. No matter how hard it's raining, the polls are open. And then the, the last state Senate district that represents Erie County is the 63rd, and Tim Kennedy is running literally unopposed. I thought there was, I thought maybe there was another Tim Kennedy. Like, I thought Timothy M. Kennedy was running against Timothy M. Kennedy. Like, that's a classic move. <laughs> that, that's, that, I, I, the Republicans have done that before. Uh, JFK did that. Oh, that's right. JFK did do that. JFK did that his first Senate race. 
Oh, that's right. The apocryphal story is that the incumbent's own, the Republican incumbent's own mother voted for the wrong candidate. Amazing. Yeah. So vote for whatever um, iteration of Tim Kennedy you want in this race, I guess. Yeah. I mean, notably, Tim Kennedy, who, who's unopposed, uh, only took the Democratic working families in the independence line, did not take the conservative line, a line that he's gotten in the past, but to decide not to take it this year. I, I, maybe for obvious reasons with this election year. Uh, potentially for obvious reasons. I mean, he, he might be on the outs with the conservative party with some of the votes he's taken. He did vote for the green light law. Sure. Yeah. So uh, let's get to the assembly, the 140th district. That's the uh, district. It's Northern Erie County and Niagara, Southern Niagara County. Um, it represents like Tonawanda city of Tonawanda, our boy Davis, um, Kenmore, uh, and that is uh, Bill Conrad versus Robert Pecoraro. Uh, Bill Conrad is going to win that district. It's going to be uh, it's the old Schiminger district. It's not going to be all that close, realistically. Um, even though the district, the en- enrollment would make you think it's probably a competitive election, it probably isn't that competitive of an election. I mean, con- I, if I'm Conrad, I'm working hard. I'm not taking it for granted. Um, but I'm not, too, I'm not sweating it out too much. So... Let me ask you this, because that, that sort of raises an interesting point for me. Like, you just mentioned that this, based on, like, demographics or things like that, like, could be a competitive race. How does a district like this, then, not end up being competitive? I mean, it's not going to be competitive because there's just not enough money being spent on it. Uh, I've been following this race fairly fairly well, and Conrad certainly has the advantage with money and is, in terms seems to be... Uh, earning more media and spending more money. Um, it could be a competitive race if Racks decide to spend a bunch of money on it. Rack being the Republican Assembly Campaign Committee. So just for our, our, our well-meaning listeners at home who, um, you know, either you're highly politically informed and you think we're idiots, um, just, you know. Which is fair. Which is fair and, and mostly true. Um, you know, please disregard everything we said. But if you're somebody who... Um, either is not as informed about uh, local politics. And, and there's no shame in that game, by the way. Like, there's a lot of names that I'm reading for the first time today, even though I live in Buffalo and, you know, I, I ostensibly read Buffalo news sources. Like, there's a lot of new names and new people. Um, but, and I'm somebody who has followed politics for a long time, even. So if you're somebody who's relatively like a newcomer to the scene and, and, you know, this 2020 election means a lot to you. And obviously, you know, you want to make that that important and critical vote. Um, and you really want to get involved in like that local civic engagement. Um, again, it's just it's worth understanding sort of how these things work and, you know, what areas like where votes matter or don't matter necessarily and why that is. Um, so I guess I'm curious, you know, you said like the Republican committee has not invested a lot of money in this race, even though maybe it could be winnable. Is it the strength of like Bill Conrad as like as a candidate? Like they're just like, I mean, no, nah, we don't want to touch him. I, I I'm not sure what it is. Um, I mean, other than, it seems unlike them. Like the Republicans are usually willing to like, hey, if we can win this race, we'll go after it. Yeah, they they usually are. And and Conrad barely won the primary. He uh, he had a very close primary against Stocker. In fact, on primary night, Stocker was up. It was after the counting 
of absentee ballots, and uh, there was many absentee ballots because of COVID, but it was after the counting of absentee ballots that Conrad actually won. Uh, Kevin Stocker, who's an attorney who was a Republican-turned-Democrat, um, almost won that race over Conrad, who was the endorsed Democrat. Um, and had Stocker won, he would be the odds-on favorite to win the race. Although, had he won with Conrad having the Working Families and Independence lines already lined up, it may have been a line where Rack would have spent money because now you're getting the Democrats split. Yeah, and, and also you mentioned something there too I'd like to stress. Um, the Working Families Party uh, line, which, again, if you're not in the know, um, you might be wondering, you know, what is that or does it different or is it does it differ? I guess maybe, honestly, Jim, like there might be a fair amount of people who are listening to this, like who are wondering what does it mean to vote on a given line? So let me ask you, why would you vote for a candidate on the Working Party's line, which will be my position as, as a Squarecast host here, um, that you should vote for any candidate that you want to vote for on the Working Families line, but like, can you tell our listeners why that is? I mean, what it's especially important in the gubernatorial races uh, because literally where the parties end up on the ballot is dictated by how well they do in the gubernatorial race. Uh, they need to get a certain percentage. I think it's 2% or 5% of the vote to be a party that just exists, that exists no matter what and always has a line to give away for four years. But... You know, it, so right now the Democratic line is the first line in New York State on the ballot. The very first line you read is the Democratic line, and that's because Cuomo took the most votes on the Democratic line um, in the last gubernatorial election. And then the Republican line is next, and then conservative line, then working families, then independents. Those are the five lines that exist, and that's the order that they took the number of votes in in the last gubernatorial election so when you're voting on other lines because new york state has fusion voting which means that regardless of which line you vote for your candidate on all the votes count towards the same person so in new york state this year you can actually vote for trump and biden on two separate lines for both of them biden is biden and harris are both on the democratic line and the working families line and trump and pence are both on the republican and conservative lines yeah, and and the reason I bring this up, um, like, like for for reference, if you if you're not really aware of the Working Families Party, who they are and what they do, um, if you're a listener of this podcast, they're likely, uh, you know, on your wavelength. Um, they initially endorsed Elizabeth Warren in the uh, in the Democratic primary. Uh, they would later and and. I have a criticism criticism of them that they did not endorse Bernie Sanders um, early enough in the game once Warren had dropped out. Um, but regardless of that, like set that aside, they're they're generally on board with things like um, you know with like universal health care and and raising the minimum wage and environmental protections. Um, you know all the things that I certainly support and endorse, and I certainly plan on voting for. Um, you know, I'm going to vote for Biden on the, the working families line. And from the New York times, uh, about a month ago, um, you know, the, the work, 
the article is called Why a Progressive New York Party is Fighting for Its Survival. So the Working Families Party needs 130,000 New Yorkers to vote for Biden on its line or it will lose its automatic ballot spot. Um, so whatever criticisms, uh, you know, me or others might have of the Working Families Party um, for different decisions they've made, without a doubt, they're a net good for the political process for getting a more progressive voice on these things out there and for affording, you know, I don't know, doofuses like me who are like, well, I, you know, I, I voted for Bernie, but I, I'm mad about Biden. Well, all right. You know, I, I certainly understand and I feel for you people. I'm with you, but it gives you an outlet to say, okay, in some way, my, my vote does matter because I am endorsing, I I'm pushing the, the candidates and officials that I want in a direction by letting them know like, Hey, Joe Biden, you got this many votes from the working families party line. Like these are people, these are a a major consideration, hopefully for you and and your administration for how you govern. Absolutely. And I think that's, it's important for people who are listening to know that that actually matters and actually works that way. The conservative party in New York state is by all means a minor party. Nobody could run on the conservative party and win a statewide office or a major office just on the conservative line. However, that tail often wags the dog of the Republican party because if the conservatives say they're going to endorse somebody, the Republicans often follow their lead and endorse that same candidate. And the last time that was, really uh was really true and, and really shown through was the 2010 gubernatorial election with uh carl paladino where the conservatives said carl's our guy we're endorsing carl he is going to be the candidate yeah and with the working families party like if you want more candidates like aoc or Mondaire Jones, or uh, I believe it's Jumani, Jermaine Williams. I apologize, Jermaine, my apologies. Um, but if you want more candidates like that, all, all three of those candidates were endorsed by working families um, and have been successful. Like if you want more candidates like that in the state of New York and nationally, um, you know, make your voice heard in that way because supporting the working families party, they're not perfect, but they're probably the best we've got. And if you're going to do a, a, a protest vote thing, like, do it that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just like the conservative party is the tail that wings Republican dog and brings them further right, the working families party can be the tail that can wag the Democratic Party, wag that dog, and bring it further left. So if you are somebody who endorses progressive ideas, thinks of yourself as left or leftist, or would like to see the, the Democratic Party return to its, its worker-friendly roots, then, you know, go ahead and please vote on the worker, Working Families Party. I want to move along in the assembly races, though. Uh, we get to the 141st district, and this is, gonna, this is my pick for the most ass-kicked race of the, of the year. Um, the absolute, like, this is the most Clemson, Georgia Tech race of, that we're going to see. And that is Crystal Peoples, majority leader Crystal Peoples, versus Shaw Miles, who I know nothing about. And I would be I would be shocked if Crystal Peoples gets less than eighty percent of the vote in this race. And and, and why is that? Like it, it's it's just it, first of all, it's such a heavily gerrymandered district. It's such a heavily Democratic district as it is, um, without even actually being gerrymandered. It's just such a heavily Democratic district. 
um, the 141st, uh, where it's you know east side of Buffalo, uh, central part of Buffalo, um, and <sighs> Trista Peoples is a very well known candidate. Her name ID is very high. You know she's been around for a very long time. Um, you don't get to be majority leader of the assembly without having a lot of cachet in your in your hometown. And she is majority leader of the assembly. Sean Miles is somebody who, again, I'm somebody who pays attention to local politics probably more than I should and probably is more than is healthy. And I have no idea who the hell this person is. So Crystal People Stokes, uh, Crystal People, excuse me. Crystal or, People Stokes is correct. Is that still correct? Okay. Yeah. Um, running against Les Miles, former LSU football coach. The Mad Hatter. The Mad Hatter. Um, you know, it's it's always funny when he like eats the grass and stuff or picks his nose. But <laughs> right. um, you know, square cast blessing. We'll go to Crystal People Stokes. Yeah, Crystal People's Stokes. Um, you know, I I would love to have her on. Um, specifically, I would love to have an episode where we or an ish, or a podcast episode where we talk about legalizing weed. She's the majority leader. I would love to have her on for that particular episode. So, if anybody who knows Crystal People Stokes is listening or wants to listen and, and knows us and wants to reach out to us and can make that happen. I would love to have her on to talk about legalizing weed because if there's anybody who's going to make it happen in New York state, she is the person. Uh, 142nd district is assemblyman Pat Burke, who full disclosure is a friend of mine versus Matt Zakowski. He's an actual friend of the pod. <laughs> yeah. Friend of the pod. Yeah, actual Pepper, actual legit friend of the pod, somebody I've known going back to my AmeriCorps days um, versus Matt Zalkowski, who is uh, an assistant DA prosecutor for the county. Um, that race is not going to be that close either. It's going to be a 60-40 race, maybe 57-43. Um, it, it covers um, West Seneca, Orchard Park, South Buffalo, and God's country. God's country, yeah, it's it's, it's what it covers. Um, yeah, if it's, you, if you live there, if you live anywhere near there, and you see you see Pat on the ballot, uh, you know, vote for him. Obviously, yeah. working families yeah, vote for Pat. Working families, Democratic Party, but working families is probably preferred. Um, he actually has the Independence Line this time. Uh, 143rd district is Monica Wallace versus Frank Smirchik. So uh, the second Frank Smirchik, the second. They made another model. This, uh, th- this time uh, upgraded Frank Smirchik. This is the district that I live in. Uh, Monica Wallace is uh, a friendly acquaintance of mine. Um, I will. I know two things about her. Why my parents? Why I, I view my parents as bellwethers because. They don't listen to me about who they should vote for. They vote for whoever they want to themselves. So, But I, I talk to them, and they're, they're both voting for Monica Wallace, and there's two reasons why. One, my mother is a uh, trustee for the Lancaster Library Board, and Monica Wallace promised that she would get some money for the Lancaster uh, Board, and two months later, she showed up with a check, and so she guaranteed her, she followed up on her promise. Two, my parents were having an issue with Medicare running being run through the state two years ago, they made a phone call to her office, and within three hours, it was taken care of. So her constituent service was great, and when she made a promise to a local government jurisdiction, 
She followed through and she followed through on that promise and she delivered. Frank Smircheck looks like he's about 11 years old and he ran a mailer that I, I saw last week that said uh, that Monica Wallace supports abortion up until the minute of birth, which obviously is untrue. And I mean, it was, it was, it was came out from rack, the Republican assembly campaign committee. And it was the you know, Monica Wallace seems like a nice person, but she's actually a demon is basically what the, the mailer was like. So I, I, I can't vote for Jim's mom and I don't even live in the district, but the next best thing is to vote for Monica. Mon- Monica uh, Wallace. Monica Wallace. Yeah. And again, working families line she has. So you go ahead and run on that one. Any other spicy ones? Uh, no. I mean, well, the 146th district, you got Karen McMahon versus Robin Wolfgang. Uh, McMahon has been in the assembly for, I think this is her end of her first term. So she's only been in for two years. Um, it's, it's a district that should favor McMahon, but you know, Wolfgang has the RC and I lines, which is, you know, pretty important that that having the independence line away from a Democrat go onto a Republican can actually be enough to swing an election. So I, you know, I would be watching that election on election night to see how that shows up. That's an election where, you know, Karen McMahon is somebody who I've worked with in the past and I have good things to say about. So I would endorse Karen McMahon. Blessing. Um, she gets the blessing. She gets our blessing. Um, but it's going to be a very close race. Um, and, the, and, and put aside your preconceived notion of anybody named Karen. You know, <laughs> it, 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 there are good Karens. Okay. It's a unfairly maligned name. I, I'm sad that the meme has become Karen for so long. It was Deborah or Susan. Mm-hmm. We're, we're just we're just great names to or Suzanne Suzanne yeah so so Karen's of the world I feel your pain you've been unfairly maligned Karen McMahon I, unfortunately I don't know enough about you but I, I know enough to say that you're one of the good Karens and uh, you get the square cast blessing uh, in the 147th district we've got David DiPietro is unopposed um, which is really sad because he might be the worst person in New York State that's actual sad. I don't even want the slide whistle. I no, just, no, no, no. I just, it's actually sad. Right. It's, it's, it's actually sad because he might. Sorry legit, to be a bummer, guys. He might legitimately be the worst person in New York State. Um, there's, there is a great uh, uh, satire Twitter account called David T. Pietro because he did get his start with the Tea Party, uh, if you're interested in that. And then the 149th District, you've got. Uh, John Rivera, son of Niagara District Councilman David Rivera, running against Joseph Tataro. I know Joseph Tataro uh, because I know this might be hard to believe, listeners, but I used to be a Republican. I was a Republican committee man in the town in the city of Buffalo. Can, can we get a good uh, one of these for Ryan? Yeah. What's a good one? Uh, probably laughter. Well, Jim was a Republican. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one more time. Jim was a Republican. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Joe Totaro is a chain smoker. That's what I know about Joe Totaro is that he smokes more than I do. And I smoke about a carton a week. He's also in the terrible band, the chain smokers. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all the way around. It's terrible. Um, county judge is unopposed. Family court judge is unopposed. District attorney is unopposed. Uh, uh, speaking of unopposed, however, uh, going down the the line, there's one that sticks out to me, and that is 
on the Republican and Independence line for the Alden Town Justice is Mike Cole, former State Assemblyman Mike Cole. Former State Assemblyman. Mike, uh, Reed, you know why Mike Cole is no longer in the State Assembly? Oh, I know this one, Jim, because he went to the WWE and he became an announcer. Is that right, Michael oh, Cole? Oh, uh, close, close. Now, uh, Mike Cole, the State Assemblyman, uh, went home with a uh, female intern one night and while he says he slept on the floor, it was enough to be censored by the assembly and he had to resign. And folks, haven't we all been there? <laughs> haven't we haven't we all slept on the floor of an intern's off of intern's apartment? As as the uh <clears throat> the kids say, it do be like that. And you know, if you gotta sleep on the floor uh, the I don't know. It, these things happen. Uh, no. Well, did he get a lot of heat for this? I, I was not familiar with the story until oh, just yeah. now. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Mike Cole was a staff member for Congressman Jack Quinn. He turned his staff position into uh, an assembly position, uh, and he lost his assembly seat. He got tons of heat from it, not least of which was from his wife. Uh, Yikes. Yeah. Uh, for for his oh yeah no I just slept on her floor. I mean Dennis Gabrzak came up with better lies than that. Yikes! That's all I have to. That's the official Square podcast position. Yikes! So uh, so that's our election coverage. There's there's other local races. None of them matter. Uh. Councilman in Lancaster is actually uh, actually has a race. Dawn Kachewski's run like six times, and she's never won, so it doesn't matter there. She's going to lose to Mike Wozniak. Yeah, and, and thank you, listeners, for hanging out with us. Um, I, I refer to this as the vegetables. Uh, you can call it the nerd stuff. Whatever, you know, these are things that we have to do um, as citizens, as civic engagement, and I think this year... We're all sort of tuned in, dialed into the political process. So um, this stuff really can escape uh, your purview if you're not paying attention and just kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Maybe read the Buffalo Snooze. Right. I, we I, need us. We need like a, somebody like sleeping. Yeah, somebody sleeping. I'll, I'll uh, uh, hopefully I, I did a more entertaining job than the Buffalo News would do. Or, uh, you know, I will wait, say wait, uh, one second. Say Buffalo News. Buffalo News. That's not the see. That's not yeah, bad. Yeah. That's not bad. Okay. The crickets uh, is pretty good. All right. Yeah, I had to do something. I'm, uh, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, we, we forgot to turn I'm, off the crickets. I'm a little too clip heavy. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, the League of Women Voters uh, is actually not a bad website, not a bad reference or resource to use. Um, they have questions. They delineate what their questions are and you can get answers from candidates and you can just put your your address in and it'll tell you exactly who you can vote for and what their answers are to their questions um it is the vegetables as re said uh but you know if we're going to ask people to do their civic duty and we are going to ask you to do your civic duty you should be a, a, a knowledgeable voter and we hope we add to that knowledge absolutely and talking about uh you know, getting into the meta stuff here about what we're doing moving forward. Um, I think I speak for all of us when I say I think we have some pretty exciting plans in the works. 
um, for future episodes, for future guests, uh, interviews, topics, etc. Um, you know, the whole idea with the square is to truly capture again, that feeling of openness of exchange of vibing, um, and hanging out and getting different perspectives, mm-hmm. you know, taking in good music, right, right. Talking to people. Um, and we're going to do that. Like we're, we plan on doing a lot of that political, um, you know, in the world of, of restaurants, culinary, local protest movements, uh, local sports, things like that. We, we really want to dive into like the cool stuff of this area, the interesting stuff of which there is so, so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so stick with us. And speaking of local protest movements on my way here today to, uh, have some beers and record a podcast and while I was on the, on the 198, the Skajakwita to those who are in the know, uh, there was a truck in front of me and it had two flags and I saw a truck with two flags f- f- flapping and I thought uh, immediately the worst. This sounds like a thousand points of light speech. And I realized at first the flag on the right hand side was a pride flag. And then I, I was having a tough time reading the flag on the left. And I thought, at first I thought, it almost looks like a Trump sign, a Trump flag, which is a really weird thing to match with a, a pride flag. But then when we finally came to a stop at, at Parkside, I was able to see that it was a Black Lives Matter flag. So I, I got to see Black Lives Matter. And, and, and I actually, I thought about getting out of my lane and driving up and, and pulling up next to him and giving him a thumbs up. Um, but then I would have been in the lane where you have to cut people off and I don't like cutting people off. So, um, but speaking of black lives matter, re, Oh yes. And speaking of eating our vegetables and talking about politics. Yes. So we can close out this week's episode by, uh, taking it back to, back to the city here, right back to Buffalo and, and back to, to mayor Byron Brown. Um, your mayor Byron Brown, Brian, (laughs) What was that Twitter account? Brian, Brian Brown, your mayor. Yeah. Um, to, <laughs> I, I, I don't know the guy who, who ran it or whatever, but I know somebody knows him. Mm. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, no, Byron Brown uh, recently came out and um, had the support, or he said he, what was the line that he was going to throw his full support? His full support. Behind, um, for Black Lives Matter, the movement, he's offering his, well, not necessarily the movement. He said, uh, this is from um, Channel 7 WKBW News. Uh, so the article is, Mayor Byron Brown offers support for Black Lives Matter Way in Buffalo. Um, so he announced that he's offering his full support for Black Lives Matter Way along Fillmore Avenue. Um, quote, Mayor Byron Brown said, As we reexamine the history of our nation through the lens of its impact on black residents first as a result of slavery, then through the passage of segregationist Jim Crow laws, and now with the recognition of the injustices that have been built into the criminal justice system, it is fitting that a street's name honoring a prominent Buffalo figure changed in this way to reconcile his mixed legacy with our greater racial awareness. It is also appropriate that the street, which has played a vital role in the development and life of Buffalo's black community, be identified in a way that honors the contributions, struggles, and impact black residents have had on the social, cultural, intellectual, and economic life of our city. Um, I'm going to stop right there and say, you know, full stop. 
everything that Mayor Brown said there, I agree with. Um, certainly that the black community in Buffalo and how vital it has been and, and how criminally overlooked um, w- the contributions to this area and, and not even contributions, like what it, really what makes this area what it is, what makes Buffalo what it is, whether a lot of people here want to face that or not. Um, and Byron Brown, especially as the city's first black mayor, um, who, you know, nowadays, if you live in Buffalo, you just kind of take it for granted. I was there for that election against Kevin Helfer. Um, it was, uh, even as he ran on the democratic line, it was a contested election precisely because of levels of racial animus. Yes. Like it was a contested election for Byron Brown, which should have just been like a steal, you know, like he's a Democrat in the city of Buffalo, which is historically just Democrat. I mean, I think I think the last time a Republican won a citywide race uh, as a Republican as one mayor race, I would say, was like the 1950s or early 1960s. And there was a ton of money pumped into the Helfer race against Byron Brown solely because Byron's black, Helfer's white. That'll be enough to carry the day. So, again, with all that in mind, um, with that context in mind, I'll say this. Um, we've seen similar actions taking, taken in other cities that we've had. Um, I, was it Baltimore that had like a Black Lives Matter way, I believe, um, that, that it's end up becoming, unfortunately, like this focal point of racial animus where and and i'll look up the city or something sorry listeners if i'm letting you down on the info but the point is like you've seen these stories of it was probably provo (laughs) provo utah of course friend of the pod sister city um but you've seen this and I, i i guess for me like i think it's i think that these things that are symbolic are important i i, I truly do that you can see something where you feel comfortable knowing that like, Hey, we support black lives matter. Like we support the people of our city who live here, who, you know, have to suffer and and live through, um, oppression. And I think that's important. That being said, I think it's emblematic in a lot of ways of Byron Brown and his tenure as a mayor where he's very much about, sort of broad overtures and I, I mean he's he's a classic politician in a lot of different senses um they really don't make him like byron byron anymore do they no. where where it's a lot of like hey that dude has a podium wherever there's a camera and he's ready to like show his face and and take credit for stuff whether or not <laughs> you know it, it's almost like a like a weirdly cartoonish thing where he's like he's ready to be there no i mean he's very much mayor quimby Yes, uh, you know, my, minus whatever the the, the accent and the, my, uh, minus the, accent, the JFK uh, thing, right, right, right. Uh, uh, but <laughs> say he, it right, Frenchie, or I'll kill you. Right. So he's he look he's he's always ready to be there, and I think this is a positive step. But I think as a lot of people saw from the protests here in Buffalo um, earlier this summer, how far, how much more there is to go in this city and what its responsibility is to all of its residents 
but most certainly, um, you know, it's black residents and, and what the obligation is. So I am very sensitive that Byron Brown is the first black mayor, and this is an important step. And I hope it's the first of many. I'll leave it at that. Like, I hope this is the starting point of real change and a real focus and not just, okay, we're going to change it to Black Lives Matter way, and that's going to be the end of it. Right. I, I agree with you. I, I hope that this is the start of real transformational change that the city is going to undertake, and it's not just a token measure that he hopes means uh, – Black Lives Resist in the Rust. I believe that's the name of the organization. Black Loves. Black Love Resists in the the Rust. rust. Right. Uh, Which, by the way, if you're with them and you would like to be on our podcast, please let us know. We would love to have you. Um, And I I mean, uh, I mean, sincerely, absolutely, please. Love to have you as quickly as possible. We might actually reach out to you. Right. uh, So if anybody knows them, like, please pass along our information. We'd like to reach out to them. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that it's the beginning of a relationship and not what he considers to be the entire relationship. No, no. And and again, like we are speaking from a place of not like I'm not black. Jim's not black. Ryan's not black. Like none of us are, are people. Well, I'm somewhat a person of color. <laughs> it's complicated, but certainly none of us are black and we don't belong to those communities. So it's very sensitive to make a criticism of a black mayor making this movement or, you know, making the putting forward this resolution, making this gesture, making this gesture. That's what I was trying to spit out. Um, but at the same time, like I think we could see from what Byron Brown has done in his tenure that unfortunately there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of gestures, a lot of empty gestures. There's a lot of empty gestures that have been made. Um, there's not a lot of substantive transformation or uh, change that's happened. Um, Hope that hope that this leads to real substantive change. Hope that this leads to something that the community needs and wants. Um, and I hope he's listening to the community. Um, I have a lot of criticisms about the Common Council and whether they listen to community. Uh, but hopefully the mayor is listening at this time. Well said, Jim. So yeah, that was your vegetables, and we will give you beautiful, wonderful people your candy soon. I promise. You're going to get all the sweet stuff, all the goods. We're going to have so much fun, but you know, we just got to get through election season. But that's, yeah, that's why we did it this week, so we can trick or treat you next yeah. week. Well, it'll be trick and treat. It'll be it'll be all treats. Okay, I call treat. Jim, you got to be trick. Ryan, or. Or Switzerland. <laughs> do, you, do you like tricks? Do you like treats? Whatever. You can have what you want. Yeah. All right. Well, this is this is treat signing out. And this is this is trick signing in. <laughs>